Thanks for tuning in to Drunk Dialing. This is my conversation with Spencer M. He is a sober, active member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Reminder, this podcast is not endorsed by a... We are just a couple of drunks trying to navigate this world of social distancing. Enjoy! Uh, thanks, Spencer, so much for joining Drunk Dialing here. I, you, you and I just just dialed in you and i share a friend and um and tim who's my sponsor now and it sounds like you're well traveled um spent a lot of time in the program um in memphis via red lodge montana got a home group sounds like you sponsored some guys uh been been all over the world um you want to kind of just share whatever you want to about your story and what brought you in and just a little bit about yourself Sure, sure, and and uh, you know I appreciate Tim. I think I sponsored Tim for I don't know a dozen years or something like that back in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know I, I was always one of those little goofballs that just was just a little bit on the out edge, just never quite got in the middle of anything, and and mm-hmm. really wasn't interested in getting in the middle of anything. I was just. I've come to find out after doing the work that I'm just real sensitive to the world out there and, and, and not knowing that and just kind of struggling. I never joined a team. I, I never got in with a bunch of folks. None of those things. I was always kind of out by myself. That end, ever since I can remember, I love chemicals. Oh my God. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, I, I'm just, I was that kid that, you had to drag me away from the gas can. You know what I mean? I, I loved it. I just, <laughs> I just buried my face in it. And, sure. and, and it wasn't because I was sad or depressed or had a bad life. I just, hell, I love the way it made me feel. And, and um, I've always been that way. And, and sure. uh, so whatever it was, um, I was willing to give her a shot. Cause I, what it did, and I found out over the years of doing the work is it, it made me feel better, but it made me be all right with you. Oh, that sure. was the thing that was so amazing to me that, mm-hmm. that I got to where I was okay around the rest of the folks. Because mm-hmm. I, I always like to be around people, but man, I just I'm so easily that those three handicaps the book talks about that that um, unreasoning prejudice, the uh, sensitiveness, and obstinacy. Mm-hmm. I, I've got bad case of all three of those things, mm-hmm. and um, and alcohol was magic. I mean, it was the magic elixir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it changed everything. And, and I can't tell you when I had my first drink. Um, I've always, uh, uh, I've just anytime there's alcohol anywhere in the vicinity, I'm nervous and I need to get some of it and, and, and would do whatever it took to do it. Mm-hmm. But the time I was real, real small and that made people a little crazy because it made no sense to, it, well, it doesn't make sense to a normal person. Sure. Uh, the the obsession with alcohol and the allergy. That allergy part is the thing that really interests me and probably saved my life because I, I come to find out it really wasn't my fault. I, I didn't ask for this thing. This mm-hmm. was not anything I asked for, brought on, any of those things. It was the it was the card I was dealt. And, and, mm-hmm. But, man... It took a long time to get to that point. Um, uh, seven kids, four sisters, three brothers. I'm the only one. My mom, hmm. dad, uh, as as just straight and narrow and and solid as it gets. And and so I really stuck out. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, really stuck out. And and so it was difficult because I drank and used whatever I could get, and and I used my resources. And then of course I had to use your resources. Mm-hmm. And that brings in a whole other area of, you know, being a liar, cheating, a thief. And, and not because I wanted to be. I knew better. Uh, I've always had a conscience. It always bothered me. But the obsession and, and the need for alcohol always overruled it. Always. I could mm-hmm. justify whatever whatever it took. And, and uh, I've always been pretty smart. I've never had any real issue figuring stuff out if I was interested in it. If mm-hmm. I wasn't interested, you couldn't make me do it. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> it was all or nothing. And, and so that brings problems in school because I really wasn't interested in, one, being with everybody else. 
and and I got bored easy and and uh, always looking out the window wanting to go be somewhere be somebody else doing something else and and so no attention span whatsoever I'm sure they have all kinds of diagnosis for it today but I just was one of those little goofballs and um so I've, I've man oh man by the time I was 14 years old my folks were real tired of my routine <laughs> they couldn't trust me with anything. I was stealing cars. I was wrecking cars. I was stealing your money. I was stealing motorcycles because I just love anything with an ignition. Sure. I mean, I'm just I'm infatuated with it. I always mm-hmm. have been. If it had a key in it, if I figured out how to start it, it was, I'm gone. Sure. It, 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 it took care of that stuff. And um, So when I was about 14 and a half years old, um, I wouldn't go to school. I was kicked out of high school. um just a mess and and my dad didn't know what to do with me and and I loved riding on the back of his Harley Davidson and so he took me for a ride and we got about 10 miles south of Billings and and uh, he had me pack a little bag because we were going for a run and and he just kind of pulled over (laughs) and uh, I got off the bike and uh, he wished me luck no kidding yeah no kidding and uh, So I uh, hitchhiked down to uh, Gillette, Wyoming. It oh, took a sure. While. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I lived in Rollins for two years. That's why I was Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the oil field was alive and well down there. And oh, so yeah. I headed down to Gillette and, and uh, found a boarding house that would put me up, and they owned a nasty little diner, so they'd feed me and, and got a job <laughs> in a car wash. Oh, my gosh. And, and uh I mean, I did it. It's like, okay, sure. see ya. And uh, ended up working in the oil field there. But um, that's when my first DUI, 15 years old. And, and wow. uh, yeah, it was learned a little lesson about Wyoming. The only one to get a 15-year-old out of jail is the 15-year-old's parents. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> they came down and got me. I mean, they've never, sure. ever just wished me away or ignored me they will you know they always took care of me but mm. they put me out on my own and and mm-hmm. uh first dui worked hard i mean i'm a hard worker you put me out there i'm gonna go do it and, and sure. uh, that's what's so confusing about most of us is my god when we're good we're good but when we're mm-hmm. bad we're horrid and and, mm-hmm. and so um and having no idea what was wrong with me I had no idea. My mom knew what was wrong with me, but hmm. I didn't know what was wrong with me. And, and um, so did Wyoming for a little bit. Finally drank my way out of there. <laughs> Back up to Montana. Had a little car. Had this girl I was just madly in love with. I mean, just madly in love with. And, sure. and uh, she lived in Lewiston, Idaho. Uh, uh, she was friends with some other people in my family and uh I just was obsessed and and so I'd work in Wyoming then I'd drive over to Lewis night and go see her <laughs> and then drive back to work sure it's kind of a long drive but um we kind of went on and off but she knew I was in trouble with drinking and using and all that stuff and and uh I started blacking out Mm-hmm. And I started blacking out bad, and I was about 17 years old, and and uh, it was getting real bad, and and I knew I was in trouble, and and my folks had moved to uh, Ennis, Montana, which is a little tiny place over in southwest Montana, mm-hmm. and uh, I called them up, and uh, my dad said, "Come on, but you're gonna go back to school." <laughs> like really, okay. And when you're in that <laughs> shape, you say yes to everything. You know, sure. Yeah. Okay. Go okay. I'm 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 in. Went back. He detoxed me. Took about five days, shaking mm. and sweating. And uh, back to high school I went. And that girl I fell in love with. She said, "You couldn't graduate from high school. I, I'm not gonna have anything to do with you." Plus, it was a two-edged sword. And uh, did that. Lived in a little town. There were 31 people in my graduating class. <laughs> I'd been out on my own for two years. And all the rest of these kids had all been raised together. Sure. Their whole lives, right? Here comes this goofball. I got hair. My hair goes straight out, Corey. 
<laughs> so I got a natural afro, man. I mean, and I'm proud of it, brother. <laughs> I got bell bottoms that are huge. My shoes have three-inch platforms on them. And my collars <laughs> hang down about to my shoulders. And uh, I'm slick. I am sure. slick as it gets. And I sure. show up to this little cow town, to this school. <laughs> it was interesting. Um, talk about not fit. But friendly, wonderful folks. And, sure. you know, they, they accepted me. And, and mm-hmm. uh, I did the best I could there. And um, Graduated from high school barely, just by the skin of my teeth. And, and uh, that girl, she came back and she married me. I graduated in June, first part of June. We got married the 25th of June. And, and uh, I was a bartender. Hmm. I loved bartending. Sure. I absolutely yeah. loved it. It I fit. I mean, that was my fit. Two mm-hmm. times in my life, Corey, where I fit. First <laughs> time was when I took that first legal drink in a bar. Oh uh-huh. my God. And then the second time is when I sat in that first meeting. Oh. Crazy. Sure. But um we had we struggled. We were in that little tiny town. I'm nuts. I'm crazy. Um I'm, my friends got a little money, and and so we're out running around doing stuff. And Redna's getting real tired. That's my my wife at the time. She's getting real tired of my shit, and and I don't blame her. And I hear rumors she's kind of hanging around with somebody else. And oh mm-hmm. God, she leaves me, and um, I get two DUIs in one Ooh. week. Oh, she she's gone. Quit my job. <laughs> it was a bad week. 1979. Yeah. <laughs> 1979. Sure. <laughs> Bad week. And sure. uh, I stayed drunk for about two months. Oh, I was yeah. living about 100 yards from the bar. Mm. And they put me back to work. And, and uh, it was crazy. And, and so the first real detox I ever had was I woke up on the back of a horse, going up a horse trail, Thanksgiving in 1979, to a hunting camp. Oh my and god! I have, I have no idea how I got there. Really? That's <laughs> really? Amazing. <laughs> and my friends, they were all hunters in that part of the country. That's a big, 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 uh, big time thing. There are guys, sure. and uh, they loaded me up on this horse and and took me up to the mountains for six days and dried my ass out. Huh. My second detox, and and uh, I came back down and went back to work and. Stayed sober for about a month and knew I couldn't stay. I mean, it was time to go, and I didn't know how to go. And finally got a, this little credit card and fired my truck up and headed out and got to Seattle, Washington. And had a friend there, and he kind of put me up and got a job on one of the crabbers. Fishing king crab? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's sober folks out there, aren't there? Oh, boy. I tell you, everybody there is all named Jones. And if you're from the IRS, you're going to make everybody just leave. Cause nobody's, nobody's paying taxes. Paying taxes, yeah. And they're making a lot of money. They're all sure. getting cash. I mean, it was crazy. But fishing on fishing king crab was an amazing adventure. I'll tell you. I, I bet. Was there for a couple of years. Learned how to run a crane and fish on. Hmm. I was the crane operator on deck and. It went well till I drank my way out of that, like I did everything sure. else, and uh, got left on an island, uh, Dutch Harbor, and just left there. <laughs> they just left you there? <laughs> yeah, just left me there. And uh, my dad, he got me an airplane ticket to Seattle, and I hung around Seattle, kind of homeless for a while, and got back to Montana, and got to Tenon Bar, and my family kind of took care of me there, and, and but just a mess, just a mess, and, and uh, didn't know what was wrong. And so in, well, it was 1985, uh, March of 1985. I, if I'm if I'm going too slow, I can speed this up. But no, you're you're doing fine. Did you have any inkling that alcohol was a problem at this point? You know, I didn't. It was the solution, Corey. It wasn't the yeah. problem. Yeah, good it was point. The only relief yeah. I got, man. Yep, yeah, sure. I Mike, mean, yep, yep. Yeah, pressure was, yeah, pressure was on. I was fucking things up. I'm passing. I don't know what's wrong with me. 
I don't yeah. know about alcoholism. And I just know that I can't drink, but I want to drink. Yeah. And when I, I do it. drink, it's a mess. Yeah. I sober up. I can't <laughs> stay sober because it's unattainable. That watch inside of that, that spring inside of you just keeps yeah. winding a little tighter. The only thing that gives me any relief is taking a drink. I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah and I by that totally time, get it. Yeah, yeah, and by that time, hell, I, I've just about got to stay home because I don't yeah. know what's going to happen. I, I don't know if I'm going to drink all night. I don't know if two beers are going to knock me cold, if I'm going to pass out cold, wet my pants at the bar. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I got no idea. And, Absolutely. And, and uh, <laughs> so it's like shit. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and my brother, uh, he, uh, my brother's wife and my wife at that time, I got remarried, my wife at that time, they were good friends, and my brother's wife and my wife, and <clears throat> she got pregnant, and he sent her to AA, mm-hmm. and I always loved her, I mean, we, we got along well, and she called me a couple times, and said, hey, you know, this ain't that bad, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, uh, let me see, I'm thinking they don't drink there, and that, <laughs> that, that not drinking thing doesn't treat me very well, <laughs> sure, <laughs> that's all I know about it. And so, uh, <laughs> ah, it's horrible. And it was in March, it was March 3rd. It was March 2nd, actually, of 1985. And, and, uh, my old friend called me up and said, Hey, buddy, you want to go skiing? Hmm. I'm like, Yeah, I'd love to. So I told my wife, she's like, Me and this guy didn't have a good track record. I mean, we, we drank a lot. And, and, sure. and he had some cash. And, and so she said, You know, Please, please, my babe, I will not. We're just going to go skiing. I need to get out of the house. I hadn't worked. I was laid off. Things were bad. And uh, <laughs> we head up to Red Lodge, Montana to go skiing. And, and uh, we stop and get a six-pack of beer for breakfast and mm-hmm. smoke a little dope and take a few mushrooms. And we're getting ready for the event. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Now you're ready, and and uh, so we roll up to that ski area. And there was just no point getting out of the car, <laughs> so we didn't. <laughs> we just turned around and headed back. And made, my last my last drink of alcohol was a shot of whiskey at a little bar in Salisha, Montana, huh. and uh, got back to the house, and my wife was livid. Oh my sure. God, mm-hmm. we were living in a trailer house. And, there's just nowhere to go. You know what I mean? You just got nowhere to go. And sure. she's just right on me and just, and I've never been one to lift a hand. I've just not been my style. And mm-hmm. I could not make her shut up. And and uh, so I knew if I told her, I'd call her friend and say, I'd go to a meeting that might do it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, <laughs> I called her friend and said, okay, Carla, I'll, I'll go to your stupid meeting. And it, the magic of Alcoholics Anonymous worked immediately. Really? That girl, shut up. <laughs> wow. My wife was quiet. <laughs> so I, that was on a Friday, and I knew that uh, my friend went to meetings on Thursdays. So, hell, I had five days. I talked myself out of it. I talked my way out of anything five days. <laughs> so uh, I knew I was in. Sure. And she tricked Tricked me, called me the next day at one, yeah. called about noon, and said, "Okay, we're going." It's like, "Oh no, no, I'm so sick, I could die." And sure, but I had told her I would go, and mm-hmm. I didn't have much left. But my word, I tried to keep my word. I couldn't sure. very well, but it still meant something. And so, uh, <laughs> oh God, she drugged me to that stupid meeting, and, and it was an old timer. He never went to. Uh, the afternoon meetings was a one o'clock or two o'clock meeting on Saturday, and he never went to those. But somebody called and let him know there was a wet one on the way, and he couldn't <laughs> resist. <laughs> oh yeah, Wayne Bramble, rest in peace. Uh, mm. We called him Archie because he was an Archie. He was he was just bigoted and foul mouthed and opinionated, but loved AA man. Sure. And he was he chaired that very my very first meeting. Huh. And uh, I remember it well. It, it was an amazing thing. Um, what happened was they had a first step meeting, just your regular first step meeting. 
Mm-hmm. But the magic of that was that it was the first time ever I was sitting around a bunch of folks and they were telling me about their drinking. Sure. Not about my drinking. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing because that had never happened before because I'm still in the penalty phase. You know what I mean? I'm going because I'm in. <laughs> right. Because we've all been there. You know what I mean? You, yeah. you get the, the first phase, the penalty phase. Yeah. And and I'm going because I'm in trouble. That's why I love asking newcomers. I just always, always love to just go up to them and, and just, you know, what would you get caught doing? <laughs> That's, that's a good one. one. Well, and, that and, one. Yeah. And, and it's always fun because their eyes get big. You know, like, how'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's because how we all get there. Yeah. But it was like, you know, uh, um, but these guys just talked about their drinking. Everybody. Sure. And then they were talking about things that had been going on in my life and in my head forever. And nobody ever said out loud. Yeah. Much less me. And, and I was amazed. Absolutely. I was shaking, sweating. I mean, I was sick. Thank God they still let you change smoke um, <laughs> because we were doing it and drinking sure. coffee and chain smoking. But that old boy, he just, uh, you know, uh, it changed. Mm-hmm. I've never had another drink. <laughs> Crazy, huh? Hit the sweet spot, huh? I've never had another drink. Amazing. <laughs> Since that day. Now, that's the only thing I didn't do right, that I did right. Sure. I've done everything else. I'm not a joiner. I don't surrender well. <laughs> I don't take direction. Sure. <laughs> My routine. And, and, uh, so I, and I just, I didn't do anything except for the fellowship. But he told me one thing that I've never forgot, Corey. Sure. Was, listen, Spence, for guys like me and you, the answer to a drink is always no. Yeah. You got that? And, um, you know, I did. I got that. And mm-hmm. and that changed. That was the game changer. It wasn't mm-hmm. any deep psychological thing. Wasn't worried about how I felt, what I knew, none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It just said, here's your rule. Here's your new rule. And, and if you want to live through this thing, and he said, I'm going to tell you, I just do it a day at a time. Mm-hmm. You can too. And he said, "We got a meeting here tomorrow. We got a meeting here tonight, and I'll be here. And I take role." <laughs> <laughs> I believed him. <laughs> so Spencer, you 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 took onto that pretty well. Um, it and it, you, like I, I struggle with um, when I when I meet a lot of newcomers, and you know they have you know kind of this you know, they relapse and relapse. And I kind of want to say, you know, you really have to dig your heels in and not put up with that shit anymore. Um, what, what is your answer to that? Cause you just, you just stopped. Like, how did you, like, how did you do that? Like, what, what was your, what was your point there? Um, I just, I was, I, I'd been isolated for so long cause I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. And these folks were all getting together and having coffee and visiting. And, and it, what it boiled down to, Corey, was what I was always looking for. Yeah. When, I walk in, when I walk into that meeting tonight, wherever I'm at, I walk into that meeting with the same purpose that I walked into that saloon. Yeah. I walked in there to have some friends, to visit, to relax, take it easy, and take a breath. That's all I was ever looking for. I was never looking for to ruin my life and do all those things. That was mm-hmm. not my intent. My mm-hmm. intent when I walked into that AA meeting was the same intent I had when I walked into the saloon. Because mm-hmm. I just wanted to feel better. And that has happened every time that I've done it. And so that's why I keep going. I mean, it's real selfish. It's because I feel better. No matter what, and and I found out it doesn't matter if they're even speaking English. <laughs> no, I, I've been I get meetings. it. I've been in the meetings. Where I didn't understand hardly a word that was said, mm-hmm. but it really doesn't matter. The feeling and the spirit was the same, and I walked away feeling better. And and so, with the new guys that are coming in these days, oh, I'm I'm, um, you know, everybody's looking for sponsors and they have treatment center stuff and they they got all those things and mine's 
stays pretty much the same. If you're done, you're done. If you're not, go drink. Mm. Go get done. <laughs> yeah. Don't waste my time and your time. I'm yeah. not interested in it. If you're done, great. This is for people that don't want to drink anymore. Yeah. If you want to drink some more, go drink some more. There's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of places you can go drink. Shit, get after it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my phone number. Yeah. No, yeah well, no, ready. I don't yeah. even give them my phone number. Yeah. I, I don't want them anywhere around me. <laughs> I don't like talking to drunks, I, I, to people that are drunk. I just don't. I, in fact, I don't. You want to talk mm-hmm. to me, you can talk to me sober. You want to me, you, you're drunk, call your drunk friends. <laughs> I'm not interested. <laughs> but in the beginning, I was not like that. In the beginning, man, I'm here to save everybody because I hadn't taken the steps. I didn't have a sponsor. I didn't have anything. But I had the fellowship, mm-hmm. and I loved the fellowship. And, and uh, my sobriety date is not that date. My sobriety date is February 14th, 1987, because mm-hmm. um, I had to have a little marijuana maintenance program. Sure. You're not taking the steps. You're not doing the work. you got to take the edge off. And I wasn't drinking. I did not drink. And But the reefer wasn't near so hard on me. You know what I mean? And and mm-hmm. it took the edge off. But I I couldn't be honest with my, my friends at AA. And, and I knew it was going to go away. And and, uh, and and I'd met another girl, and, and uh, she wasn't going to put up with that crap either. And, and so... On Valentine's Day of 1987, I was giving my sister away out of the wedding, and, and uh, the reefer had come over the over the uh, from the back seat. I grabbed a hold of it and I hit that baby hard, man. Did you? <laughs> and it was wonderful. Oh my God! <laughs> and and uh, <coughs> my very first thought was, where am I going to get some more? Mm-hmm. <coughs> and then I knew I was in trouble. Yeah, and put it down, and, and have not done anything since. But the, the drugs, I just when I made a decision to quit, I just quit. I was never able to do that with alcohol. I had to have some help, and that's mm-hmm. where the fellowship. And then finally, at about four and a half years sober, um, I'm doing everything I know what to do, except for surrender to a sponsor. <laughs> I'm going to meetings, I'm trying to work with others, I'm in service, I'm just doing everything I know what to do, and, and I'm nuts. I'm out, I'm stark, raven, sober. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, Corey? Stark, yeah. raven, sober. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, and I'm nuts. And, and uh, there was this group that had started in Billings, well, a couple of years earlier than that. But they were different. I mean, god damn, these guys, they're wearing coats and ties. <laughs> There's this guy telling them what to do. I mean, it's like, no, no, I ain't doing that shit. But, man, we'd be sitting at the restaurant, and here they'd come, laughing, giggling, playing. Oh, my God. And and we're sitting over in the corner judging them. That's the best I got. And uh, <laughs> it's like, shit. And, and so I badmouthed the leader of that thing for, oh, a couple of years, John. John Scott and for John F and, and uh, I bad mouthed him to everybody I knew. I went to meetings with him uh, at one meeting before he started this new group. We went to the same meetings, but I kind of stayed away from him. And uh, then he started this, the recovery group, and it's like, oh no, yeah, no. And uh, at four and a half years sober in in the fall of uh, oh gosh, nineteen. Must have been eighty nine, and uh, <laughs> shit, I'm crazy. And, and um, they had a first Saturday thing where they brought speakers in, uh huh. And it was a big deal. They had a Friday, a lunch on Saturday, and a meeting on Saturday night. I loved them. I'd been to a few of them, but I wasn't willing to join up with these guys. And uh, so I'm crazy. I'm nuts. I'm out of my mind. I finally, I just called John up. And uh, he said, man, I've been waiting for this call. Come on over. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> and uh, so I headed to his house, and we sat in the basement. We made a deal. And uh, he said, listen, pal. 
Uh, I work with people in Alcoholics Anonymous that want to get better. Uh, I'm not interested in the ones that don't. And we got to make a deal here. This ain't AA. This is sponsorship. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is requirements. And, uh, well, even in AA, there's a requirement. A lot of people forget that one. I hate to come into this, but there is a requirement for AA. Mm-hmm. And people think it's just unconditional. It's not. Mm-hmm. It, it says it's the only requirement, but it's a requirement. Sure. <laughs> it's a desire to stop drinking. Yeah. Period. Sure. If you got that, great. If you don't, get out. Go. <laughs> All right. There's a rule here. Yeah. And uh but um so John asking two questions that that uh if I was willing to if 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 uh his direction was if I take his direction and that if he had uh permission to delve into any area of my life and if what was the question? It was if his judgment was infinitely better than my judgment. Yeah. <laughs> when it came to my life. Uh-huh. Uh, I did not want to say yes, but I didn't have a better answer. So I said yes. And, and from that day to this, he's been my sponsor. I call him on Tuesdays at 830 in the morning and he answers. And, and uh, man, that's when it got good, Corey. That's, that's awesome. when it got good. That was the surrender. It was the surrender to a power greater than myself. And it was a conscious contact. Was my phone call was 9 o'clock every Monday through Friday. I'm working in a refinery. I'm pushing crews. I got lots of stuff going on. There ain't no such thing as a cell phone. You're going to go find a telephone. Sure. And, uh, you know, I did. Uh, I didn't miss a call and, and for about two years. And we went to four. We went to five meetings a week. I went to the meetings he went to. Um we wore coats and ties on the speaker meetings on Saturday nights, and we sponsored people, and hmm. uh, we learned to live better. And uh, my God, it's been a crazy journey since then. And it's been wonderful, and it's been horrible, and it's been great, and it's been scary. And it's been all those things, but it's just been life on life's terms sober, and an immense amount of joy about it all. Um, but, you know, how things work out is, is pretty crazy, is... is um, that first wife, the one I fell in love with when I was 15. Sure. Well, she got remarried, and and uh, I'd slipped back from Alaska for just enough time to uh, had a daughter. But she married another guy because he was a lot more stable than I was. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He sure. was going to stay. You never knew what I was going to do, and and uh, and. I wasn't 100% sure that was my daughter, but I was. <laughs> sure. But my amends to her was leave her alone, and, and uh, I did the best I could to do that. She always stayed in contact with my folks, though. My folks mm-hmm. loved her way more than they loved me. Sure. <laughs> and and justified. I mean, <clears throat> so I'm about 10 years sober, I think. 15 years sober, maybe. I don't remember. But going along, and uh, I have a couple little dogs. I live in this beautiful neighborhood. Got a great job. I've started a coffee roasting company. I'm going to meetings. Just, it's going along pretty well. That wife and I, that third wife, we're doing okay, but she never did like the fact that I joined the recovery group just because of their sponsorship style that that strong sponsorship that structured sponsorship she was not interested in that one tiny bit and um, i didn't have any choice that was i knew that that's what i had to have so we kind of drifted apart hmm. and uh i'm walking my dogs around this park over there close to my house and i look over and there's that first wife and two gorgeous kids and a beautiful daughter Ooh. And uh, I just marched over. Hey, how are you? And, and there was terror in both of our eyes. <laughs> and those kids are looking at me like, who in the hell is this? And that girl just looked real familiar. Oh, my God. And uh, just like me. And, and so that was the beginning of another whole chapter. Holy moly. Um my third wife and I, we got divorced and, and split everything up. And 
started seeing Brenda. She, her husband had got real sick and, mm. and they got a divorce and, and she was taking care of him still, but he was, he got kind of like ALS mm. where it just degenerates. Sure. Just gets worse. And, and, uh, Paige, our, our daughter had turned 16 and, and, uh, Brenda called me and said, I'm telling her, <laughs> I'm telling her about you. Sure. Oh shit. Okay. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh Paige called me up and uh I said, What do you want to do? She said, Come get me. I said, Okie dokie and uh had a gorgeous ninety one Z twenty eight Camaro and, and uh, fired that bad boy up and went over and picked her up and we went for a drive and we had a visit. And we had a great visit and uh um been really good from that day to this. Wow, that's and, amazing. And yeah, just from that day to this. And and um, 2004, um, divorced, finished a big project out at Exxon, and the guy I was working for uh, had some contacts with Halliburton Company, and and I'd done a real good job for him, and he taught me some stuff about materials. And, and and just about some different areas of the refinery. I was a crane operator and a, and a labor foreman for years. But uh, he asked me, he said, do you want to go anywhere? I said, yes. <laughs> he said, do you want to go to Baghdad? I said, wow. yes. And, uh, 15 minutes later, I, I was hired. Wow. I mean, he knew some folks. And uh, Brenda and I, we'd been seen each other on and off quite a little while by that time and uh so i took my stuff and stored it over at her place and and headed across the water and um my sponsor i told him i was going and he said well that's all good but if there's not a meeting over there you're starting one <laughs> really <laughs> Huh. I knew how to start a meeting because I was with him for 20 years. Sure. When we started the uh-huh. recovery group. I knew what to, I knew what it take, and uh, so <laughs> um, I got over there. Of course, there wasn't one anywhere, and and uh, I got to feel how things worked over there, and and um, got with a chaplain and sent out an email. That if anybody was, if there was any friends of Bill interested in a meeting, I would be in the Republican Guard Palace under the big green dome with my big book. No kidding. <laughs> At 7 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so I headed over to the palace, and the Marine Guards are like, uh, you can't sit here. Because it was right over by where the uh, big diplomats were all hanging out. And I sure. showed them my book and kind of told them what I was doing. They said, uh, you'll be fine, sir. They were you and uh three goofballs show up, no kidding, yeah, three guys show up and uh, ah. and uh you friend of bills, yeah, I'm friend of Bill, and two more show up, and we take off and we go find a little room, and we have us a meeting, it was the first meeting of the Sansa recovery group <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> amazing, <laughs> it's still going. Sands of Recovery. Wow. Yeah, if you look it up on the internet, it's meeting at the embassy there in in Baghdad. That's awesome. We were the first we were the first registered meeting in Iraq. That is and, awesome. Uh, and uh we met three days a week. I was there for four years. And uh we met three days a week and, and man, had some great experiences. Oh my god. Got a whole new career out of it. Um just crazy. Just it was about carrying a message over there and, and uh powerful real powerful um when you got these guys and they're in that horrible situation they come in and there's a meeting so sure. they come in put the rifles down sit down and say that serenity prayer and read how it works mm-hmm. and you can just feel the atmosphere in there you just feel it Mm-hmm. It was crazy. I mean, sure. crazy. Met some great folks. Um, like I said, it's still going. It was it was a great experience. <clears throat> you know, I got back from that. 
uh, Brenda and I, we got married in 2005. And, and so my story is that I was cheating on my third wife with my first wife, who's now my fourth wife. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, Spencer, I don't know that that's the weirdest story I've heard in AA. <laughs> No, <laughs> there's all kinds of them. But, <laughs> yeah. um, and she's right here with me today. I mean, and, that's awesome. And, and uh, we, our daughter has two beautiful grandbabies who call me Papa. And right. and uh, Brenda's son, his dad um, got sicker and sicker. And, and um, we had been old friends, really. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so um, he was at a nursing home in Red Lodge, Montana, and Brenda would take his son up there every week and and to see him on Sundays. And I was skiing pretty regular by that time. And so we'd we'd meet up and hang out while um, her son was visiting his dad, and and we got real close doing that. And uh, then I got that opportunity to go over to Iraq. So um, on one of my rotations back, uh, I got word to... uh, Larry wanted to see me, her husband, and uh, her ex-husband at the nursing home. And so I said, okay. And uh, I headed over, and we had a meeting, and, and he just asked me if I was going to stay. And I said, yep, I'm staying. I'll take care of the kids. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, okay, because I can't live this way anymore. I'm checking out. Mm-hmm. He, he couldn't. All he had left was just eating. That was the only thing that still worked. And they were going to take that away. And he said, I ain't doing this. He was 48 years old. And a good guy. In there. So, two months later, I came back on my next rotation and rented a big room at the hotel there in Red Lodge and invited all the friends. And we had a goodbye party. Mm. And uh sat right there when they shut the switch off and he checked out. <laughs> crazy huh yeah no kidding and uh i love his son dearly and he loves me i mean nobody calls me dad they call me spencer because that that was their dad you know what i mean sure. that's who raised him Absolutely. i respect that 100 percent. but those are my kids sure and he's got two he's got two grandsons got another one on the way september i got a great life Corey. Yeah, I got a wonderful life. But the bottom of it is that um, I'm an active member in good standing with Alcoholics Anonymous. I have a sponsor who has a sponsor, and I sponsor people. Um, mm-hmm. I got one here that I've sponsored since oh, for a year and a half, and, and he calls me every day, and we have a great visit. And <clears throat> I go to Zoom meetings all over the country just because I've worked all over the country. And everywhere I work, I get involved with the local groups. So I've got some great friends all over the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, a lot of just real, real good friends. And i got a lot of good friends in Iraq and, and uh, West Africa. I've got some great, great friends over there. And so my life is full, and it's been great. And, and um, But the, the core of it is I, I'm alcoholic, and, and I've accepted that. And I've accepted the rules that it takes to live this way happily based on the experience of other people. And, and uh, you know, uh, that's just how that works. And, and I do it a day at a time, and I do it on a regular basis. The Zoom meetings, I've just surrendered to it. I've just mm. surrendered to That's what we got right now. And if I go to a regular meeting, I'm going to – I don't want to get my wife sick. Yeah. And so I don't want to bring anything back to this trailer. And so I'm real careful on where I go. At work, um, I, I run a big warehouse by myself, and so it's just me. And and then I come back here. I, I was I'm surrendered to the process that we have to do these days. <clears throat> That's all there is to it. I don't fight it. I just surrender to it, and it's mm-hmm. okay. Um, I can do a Zoom meeting just fine. I love seeing my friends. It's not the same, but it's not meant to be the same. The mm-hmm. results are the same, though. At the end of the Zoom meeting, I feel better. I like seeing my pals. I like visiting with them. And I'd love to have the opportunity to go to meetings all over the country. What mm-hmm. a great opportunity. And and so, I, you know, last night I was at my home group in 
Billings, Montana at the recovery group. And at the Zoom meetings, Corey, we all wear ties and shirts and ties. Spencer, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you make me feel so I like I have nothing to complain about. I, well, I, I, I wish I, I, I need to, I need to be grateful for the fact that I've got a job, I got a house, I've got internet and, uh, and I'm sober and I've got a sponsor and, and I can call people like you and I, I should be grateful and I should, you know, you're, you're totally right. It's just a surrender process. That, that yeah. surrender is what is the key to our survival. Yeah, and and so whatever that process is today, everything's temporary, Corey. Yeah, nothing stays the same, and and uh, so you just do it today. Do the best you can with it today. Add to whatever situation you're in. Don't go in there trying to see what you can take. Go in there mm-hmm. and see what you got to add to it. Yeah, <clears throat> and you can't go wrong, and and then you're fine. And and yeah, that that. The gratitude. I've been locked down in some places. <laughs> sure. <laughs> at least here they're not shooting at you. <laughs> That's a good point. Or, yeah. e- or this disease doesn't kill everybody. Now, no. Ebola over in West Africa, that's a little different story. Sure. This one is going to make a lot of us sick and it's going to kill some of us, but it's a good, this is a good practice step. If we ever got to have a practice step on how to do this shit, Mm-hmm. There's not a better way of doing it. Yeah. Now we failed miserably. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Well, failed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we get an F on this one. Yeah. But you know, we got a chance of getting it right, and and I think we will. Really, I do. I think there'll be some great things come of this. I love watching the families here in the RV park. Sure. The kids are all playing with each other. Moms and dads are out walking. Everybody's eating dinner at home. There's some things going on here that weren't going on. And, sure. and so that's interesting. But as far as the recovery community, I, you know, I feel sorry for the ones that are brand new sober. But if they get into the meetings and they get into Zoom, we'll talk to you. We'll call you. And then there's nothing that says we can't go meet with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That one-on-one stuff is still good. Yeah. And and. That's what a lot of my friends are doing is is the ones in Billings, especially that have the large sponsorship lines. They just meet with two or three of their guys, have some lunch, mm. and, and, and visit and talk to each other. The one-on-one is still alive and well. You just got to make the effort. It isn't like you can't do it. I mean, get out there and, and take the precautions. If they're sick, stay away from them. If they're not, shit, jump in, wash your hands when you're done. I mean... <laughs> You're totally right. Oh, I mean, God. the only limitations on this thing, Corey, are the ones I put on it. Yeah. And so do the best I can with it. Um, the last little story was um, uh, Brenda had – I've got – my daughter's in Florida and, and our son is in, in Montana. So Brenda kind of goes – she's retired, and she kind of just goes where she wants. You know what I mean? Goes sure. and hangs out and helps these girls and over here while she was in Montana and – Everything locked down, mm-hmm. and it's cold, and it's snowing. She's by herself. She's 60 miles or 40 miles from the kids, living in this little tiny town. <laughs> and we can see nobody's going anywhere. Sure. I mean, everybody's locked down. She flew from Florida to Montana wasn't, and was kind of sick for about two weeks. Not mm-hmm. any of the classic symptoms, but just wasn't well. Sure. And she said, I'm not getting back on an airplane. Sure. I'm not doing it. And I'm sitting here by myself. And we got reduced hours. They're paying me the same, but we're working less. And uh, I have a beautiful 40-foot Winnebago Class A diesel pusher motorhome. Nice. And, uh, I said, babe, I'll come get you. She's like, what? <laughs> I said, have your bags packed. I got four days off coming up. I'm on my way. And so I fired this dude up and, and uh, drove over to Red Lodge. It's uh, 3,300 miles round trip. Wow. And uh, so drove to Red Lodge, pulled up, said, put your stuff in. I'm not even going to shut it off. (laughs) (laughs) Turned around and we came back home and and she's been here with me ever since. But it's a classic quarantine rig. Yeah. The only time you got to get out of this thing is to put diesel in it. (laughs) And I had it set up where I could pay it to pump. That's awesome. And we never got out. I mean, we just, we just. 
it was really actually really enjoyable. We sure. just had a nice time. We we cruised down the highway. We'd stop at a rest stop or a truck stop, have dinner, spend the night, get up, shower, have breakfast, fire this dude up, and head down the road. And so, you know. <laughs> quarantine just, rig. A quarantine rig and, and, and real, real comfortable. You know, I have a cargo trailer with a couple of Harleys that I bring with me and, and uh, got a couple of rigs, a couple of cars here so she can drive around. And, and it's a good life, Corey, but. The bottom of it is I never forget who and what I am because what kills most of us, Corey, I'm going to tell you, exactly what has killed most of my friends. Mm-hmm. Good living. Mm. Prosperity. Sure. Prosperity has killed more alcoholics than desperation. Let me guarantee you. And I never wanted it. When it talks about those traditions not to be spoiled by my gifts, they're not kidding you one tiny bit because that's what kills us complacency and prosperity because all of a sudden i don't need this shit yeah all of a sudden hell i'm living beyond my wildest dreams what was i thinking yeah and all of a sudden god i think i'll have a beer yeah i deserve it oh i oh man i've watched that more than i've really prosperity has killed more of us than anything else i've dealt with yeah. and that always scares me the new guys oh i got a car got a job back in the big bed like oh god uh, <laughs> no. or when i had a, a guy sponsored 29 28 years he called me up guns to his head i mean he's oh got a gun god. in his mouth and and uh got a great job he's, he's a dog trainer everything's going wonderful and he just hates everything mm. and uh he called me though before he pulled the trigger which is sweet i hadn't heard from him for a while and uh, we just got busy. We just got busy right there on the phone going down the highway. Oh, my and, God. Uh, you know, he's all right. He's all right. But it was the best phone call because there was desperation. And I had something to work with. Sure. You got another one who's 29 years sober. Millionaire. Things are well. He quit AA last fall. Sure. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> There's nothing I can do with that. Yeah. Uh, Nothing I can do. So, when we think it's the worst, might not be. When we think it's the best, might not be. So, that's Chuck C. again. Anything else, Corey? That's about all my stuff, buddy. No, Spencer, this has been awesome. I I really, really appreciate this. This is, I'm so grateful for your time. Absolutely. I'll see Tim, hopefully in uh, February, we go to a men's retreat down in Texas. Yeah, well, I I I absolutely appreciate this. Um, yeah, I, I hear a lot of of um, of him uh, or of you and him. So thank you very much. You are welcome, my friend, and uh, take care of yourself. If you need something, feel free to holler at me. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Take care.